0: Welcome to our podcast. I'm Pat Nimbers, the lead pastor here at Sarahville Church. And you, as you can see, I'm not joined by anybody here this afternoon. And so I'll try not to take up too much of your time since it's just me talking to you. We had an extraordinary weekend over the weekend. And I want to just, I'm going to show you a couple of uh, slides from uh, uh, pictures, so to speak, uh, from the weekend. We actually went out to Big Creek Lake Uh, At the end of the day on Sunday, about 400 or so of our church went all the way out there. It was just so much fun. Baptized a bunch of people. They gave wonderful testimonies. It was just an extraordinary day. Lots of fun. Beautiful weather. And uh, it really capped off that day because uh, in the morning, I preached a standalone message on revival. And revival to me is is really a, a sacred uh, kind of a word. I, I don't uh, just throw that word revival around, like we had a revival. Uh, if you're an older person watching this podcast, you probably were, uh, were part of churches at one time that would bring an evangelist to bring about revivals. You know. I've never done that because to me, as I said, it's a sacred word. Uh, I really believe that God alone can, uh, can bring about revival. But he doesn't do it without our cooperation and i'll try to explain that here in uh in just a minute but uh, when i preached this message on revival i dabbled in several things like uh some of the social issues of our day the political issues of our day the upcoming election i you know probably ruffled a few feathers along the way as well but uh, uh it was really a fun day here at sailorville because i we're up to 60 65 of our people are coming back our education with kids is is uh, back again, and yet we have over a 1,000 people that are watching regularly online. And we understand that during this COVID time, but it's really been a a delight to see more people coming back. But we're praying uh, for revival. Whenever you have lots of baptisms and people rejoicing, you, you get those little flashes of what might be. If lots of people started coming to know Jesus and uh, and so some of those uh, some of those stories were so incredible I just want to just go quickly behind the scenes with a couple of stories from individuals who trusted in Christ recently and were baptized here last uh, Sunday Um, one couple uh, was impacted by a woman who had been given a death sentence just a couple of months ago because of the cancer. She has a tumor in her brain. Uh, she has been told that this, this cancer will take her life. Uh, in fact, she was told this, there's no way to even reduce the tumor, but actually through the treatments that she's receiving, the tumor is just, it's there, but only barely. We don't know if God's doing a miracle or not. I'll tell you this, he has given her enough of a, of a reprieve. She's been just sharing Christ uh, behind the scenes, as often as she can, and we baptized at least two people in this bunch of people we baptized because of her ministry of evangelism, a dying woman preaching a living message. It was an amazing thing. Another couple uh, that we led to Christ, younger couple actually, uh, after coming to Christ, uh, I talked about this in my message. Actually, she she found out she has cancer. Pretty serious deal going on here, but. To hear her and her husband articulate their stories of how, what hope they have in Christ because of the gospel, uh, regardless of whether the, she lives or dies. And we, of course, we're trusting and praying that she, she lives uh, as she's a mother of just a, uh, three young children, but just a delight to see. The joy of the Lord in a person's life whose really life is under some level of threat. We even had a 70 something year old get saved. A woman who just got saved a few weeks ago. It's, cra- it's a crazy story. In fact, she said, she, goes, she said to me that morning, she said, Pastor, the thing about it is I thought I was a Christian. And she would articulate that to the crowd that night as well. And she got baptized. Uh, another young man uh, who uh, one of our staffers has been working with, our evangelism guy has been working with for almost a year, a police officer in the area, counting the cost, counting the cost, counting the cost. And a year after working with him, he gives his life to Jesus. And he's a fervent follower of Christ today. Just, just so exciting. And little flickers, you know, so to speak, of revival. You know, revival by definition means that something that has was already alive that is starting to ebb away, uh, sort of is rekindled, that revived, so to speak. It's a little different than the idea of being born again uh, or to be uh, saved. We taught we use that terminology to be saved, to become a follower of Christ, to, to be converted. That means you're going from death to life. But revival occurs with people who already know the Lord, but they get right with God. Uh, and when revival occurs, what, uh, one of the things that spill over from a revival in the past, as we look at history, is that other people start to get saved. We've seen little, again, it's a sacred word, but we've seen little revivals here at Sailor Hill Church over the years, and, and really, not many. We've always seen people come to Christ. We've always seen growth. We've been planting churches, but a giant spillover, community impacting, county impacting, state impacting, Midwest impacting, country impacting revival. We haven't seen one of those, folks. We haven't seen one of those in over 150 years. In fact, the last genuine revival to occur in the United States of America occurred in 1857. So you do the math. That's a long time ago, and uh, and and I'd and really. The country was ripe, and I mean literally, literally ripe. I'm using the word literally, ripe. Stinking ripe, so to speak, uh, for revival. Uh, Ironically, uh, 1857, if you know your history, that's right in the middle of the greatest racial issue in the history of our country, Uh, slavery, which, of course, the Emancipation Proclamation would occur with Lincoln just a few years later. Uh, but that was all going on. The country was in terrible straits. Uh, these, uh, these great colleges like Harvard and Princeton, which were founded on Christian, Christian principles. Harvard, they, they couldn't even find, uh, a few years earlier, they couldn't even find one converted person in all of Harvard. Uh, and in Princeton, you could only find like one or two. Uh, the Supreme Court Justice, many years earlier, uh, uh, John Marshall uh, wrote, that uh, he, he wrote that the church was quote, too far gone ever to be revived. <laughs> now that, we're talking 200 years ago now. So if you think our country is so bad, it cannot be revived, you just gotta go back a couple hundred years, 180 years or whatever. It was, it's pretty much, relatively speaking, like it is today. And we're ripe for revival. So I'm praying for that, I trust you are too. This revival that occurred in 1857 is something we're telling, telling again, and retelling. There was a businessman. His name was Jeremiah Lamphere. He was in New York City. He was 49 years old, and he just had a passion for revival. He saw what was going on, 1857. He puts a sign out in front of this little dilapidated church building, Dutch Reformed church, I believe is what it was. And the sign said this, prayer meeting from 12 to 1 o'clock p.m. Stop for 5, 10, or 20 minutes or the whole hour as your time admits. Well, this man for three months had gone gone around to businesses all around the area urging people to consider coming to this prayer meeting. So he'd been working this for three months. So on day one, No one came. For 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, it was just Jeremiah Lanfear praying, asking God to bring revival. Suddenly he heard the footsteps of somebody coming up the steps. Somebody knelt down next to him and they prayed together. And before the rest of that half hour or that hour was over, six people showed up. Now, it didn't just explode overnight, but the next week they had 20. I mean, they tripled their size in just one week. 20 people showed up to pray. But that week, see, this is how God does things. After that second week, a great, almost like a stock market crash. It was a great financial uh, panic took place in our country. Banks were closing. Jobs were being shut down. People were out of work. Uh, People were hungry and starving. And at that time, by this time, this became known as the Fulton Street Prayer Meeting began to just explode. People just started coming in. I remember at 9-11 when the towers came down, people were coming off the streets to pray in this church. Yeah, it lasted about three or four weeks. This, this had a God-lastingness to it. Before long, are you ready for this? And I'm talking, this thing all started in September, September 23rd, 1857. By November fifth, no- by November fifth, three thousand people were meeting to pray for an hour. They had to set rules up and everything. It was crazy. On that particular day, three to four hundred people were converted to Christ. Six months later, ten thousand people were meeting. And there were twenty prayer meetings going on in New York City simultaneously during that hour. A man walked into one of those meetings and he testified to this end with the intent of killing this woman. And then he was gonna kill himself. He heard somebody crying out to God for revival and for repentance, and he himself came under great conviction and trusted Christ. His entire life was changed. Before this revival was over, and by the way, it would last for 40 years. The, the, the spillover, the, the, the results of this, The the ripples of this would go for an entire generation, 40 years before it would begin to wane. That's what I would call a revival. And before it was all over, cities up and down the eastern seaboard, Washington, D.C., Boston, Philadelphia, were all greatly impacted and many more. The Midwest, Michigan, Illinois, Chicago, these, were impacted by it. It would spill over even to places like Holland. And so God did something spectacular through the revival that started through a man who wanted revival, who was just a businessman, Jeremiah Lanfear, 1857. About 15 years ago here at Sailorville Church, we had a bit of an experience take place Um, our church was growing and we were really, we were almost 500 people strong. And so I really wanted to have a gymnasium because I've always thought that's what a church ought to have that's got 500 people. So we took up an offering for a gymnasium and the money was so pitiful. We we got so, the offering was so low, I didn't even want to tell our church what it was. That's how bad it was. And we had just, granted, just did a big million dollar addition. So they really weren't... (laughs) They just weren't primed to give a a lot of money again. I was so discouraged by the offering for the gymnasium, I can remember sitting there on Monday morning, sort of muttering and murmuring to myself, and our counseling pastor said, just sort of almost under his breath, across the table, he said, well, maybe it's time to plant a church. And I said, what'd you say? I mean, well, maybe it's time that we plant a church. Maybe God wants us to plant a church. And I'm telling you guys, It was like God had given me an epiphany right there on the spot. I looked at him, I said, that's what we're going to do. And I contacted Dave Heisterkamp, who would eventually become our very first church planter. And we got the ball rolling. And that's another story for another time. But after, at the point of starting that church, another guy came into play, Josh Daggett, who was our second church planter. I introduced Josh and Dave. became good friends and worked together for three years before Josh would plant another church. But during that time, during that infant stages of our first first church plant, I think it was Josh Daggett who who just sort of said, hey, why don't we pray and fast that God would do something spectacular? And in 2005, this church at Sailorville, during the school year, September to May, prayed every Thursday at noon for souls to be saved, and those who are saved, not walking with Jesus, to be revived. That's what we started doing. And do you know something? While we've ebbed and flowed as well, we've done it ever since. And God has been gracious to us. From those fledgling years, we had 500 people here. Now, 3,500 to 4,000 people meet regularly. That's pre-COVID and hopefully post-COVID as well, in these six churches now that have come about. And we believe with all of our hearts that God has done this through the ministry of prayer and fasting. Now, is that revival? Maybe a flicker. We'd love to see so much more. And we're still doing it. In fact, we'll be doing it this week, praying and fasting, asking God to save souls, asking God to revive the souls of those who are waning, Here's how the psalmist put it. He said, restore us again, O God, Psalm 85, of our salvation and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? That's our prayer. I trust it's yours as well. First for your own life, then for your church's life and then for your country's life, because we desperately need revival. You know, if you've never trusted in Jesus as your Savior, you need more than revival. You need life itself. Jesus said, you'll have life in me. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And he who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe that? Jesus asked that question. Do you believe that? If you do, you can have eternal life. And if you do, may God grant you, your church, and this country, revival.